0: We open the treasures of God's word from Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16. That's Hebrews 4:14 4, to 16. Therefore since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That verse 16, Hebrews 4:16 needs to be memorized. Let me repeat it in your hearing. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. These verses were written to Hebrew believers. They were facing severe persecution and times of great hardship. They reach across the centuries to speak to us when we walk the same road, but let's look at the background, the historical background of the biblical writers then and their world. In interpreting, we always use the then and their world before we come to the here and now world. So what's going on in the lives of these believers is particularized in Hebrews chapter 10. We find in Hebrews 10.32 that they had stood a great contest of suffering. These believers in verse 33 had also been insulted by public reproach. They were ostracized from their families and cast out of the synagogues. Verse 34 of Hebrews 10 tells us that some had lost their property. Think of it. It had been confiscated. And others, we read in Hebrews 10.34, were imprisoned. What is the message that crosses all believers under storms of persecution and deep trials? It stands out in this passage. It is the central idea of the whole scripture unit. What is it? Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. This word hold firmly is one word in the Greek. It's the Greek word for strength. Hold firmly with all strength is built into this key verse. We are to hold firmly with all strength against all opposition. Against all trials, we're to hold firmly, never giving up, never giving in, never giving out. Always be holding firmly with strength to your faith. We can assure you today that every Christian can hold firmly in severe problems, persecution, suffering, As they walk in the light with God, this passage in Hebrews gives us three reasons why every Christian can hold firmly to their faith. We can hold firmly because Christ is victorious for us. We find that written down in this passage. Christ is victorious for us. Hebrews 4.14 says, We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast with all strength. What does it mean when the Bible declares in this passage that Jesus passed through the heavens? This is the day of Christ's ascension, recorded in Acts chapter 1. When 40 days after Easter, Jesus ascended back to the world of light. He was going back to the palace of the King of Eternity. He was going home, if you please, back to heaven. He passed through the heavens. The Jews had three concepts of heaven. There was the first heaven that was the region of the clouds and the sky that we see, There was a second heaven that goes beyond our stratosphere up to the starry galaxies whirling in space. And then there was the third heaven, which Paul said he was caught up into the third heaven, which is the palace of God, which is the throne room of the King of Eternity. So Jesus passed through the heavens to the heavens of heaven, and back home to the throne of God. He was received up into glory. Here he is exalted on high. So the ascension of Christ was the day of heaven's triumph. Ever since the sin of Adam in Eden and his rebellion against his creator, there's been a spiritual war, a spiritual war between heaven and earth between God and Satan. And into this battle, God sent heaven's champion, the Lord Jesus Christ. Born into this world in the miracle of Bethlehem, Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. We find that in 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested to destroy the works of the devil. To defeat the enemy of our souls. To open the prison house and set at liberty them that are bruised or in captivity. Make no mistake about it. The devil hates you. He hates this Bible. He hates your family. We need a victory over him that we can walk in and we have it because Christ won the victory for us at the cross. The night before the day of crucifixion, Jesus said this way. He was on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane in John chapter 12. And Jesus said, Now is the judgment of this world system. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Now shall the prince of this world be driven out, is the intent of the text. Then before he died at Calvary, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, It is finished. In the Greek original, it means it's forever finished. There'll never be another war between God and Satan, between our enemy, and our deliverer. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, it meant it's finished now. At this hour, three o'clock on what we call Good Friday, it's finished from now and forever. There'll never be another fight. So we're not fighting the enemy to gain a position of victory. We're fighting our enemy, Satan, from a position of victory. Let me repeat that. We're not fighting the enemy for opposition of victory, but we're fighting him from opposition of victory. He is defeated and he knows it. So when we go into spiritual warfare, when we stand against trials and persecutors, we have to understand that we are victors. Christ delivered us from This power of Satan, Christ defeated him forever at the cross. He opens a prison house, Jesus does. He sets at liberty them that are bruised. Christ defeated the devil for us. This is glad tidings of great joy. So then we should stand firmly in spiritual battles, in times of the enemy's persecution, Believe it, we do have spiritual battles. In Ephesians chapter 6 it says that we should stand our ground when we fight against principalities and powers and the forces of evil in high places. We should stand our ground comes the sound and the trumpet cry from the 6th chapter of the book of Ephesians. Stand our ground because we have been made victorious in Christ. He won the battle. Secondly, there is another reason why we should hold firmly to our faith. It's found in verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us and our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. The second reason why we should hold fast and hold firm to our faith is because Christ can sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Beautiful truth in verse number 15. We have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. The word sympathy comes from two words which means to suffer with. In all of our trials, temptations, and persecution, Christ can suffer with us. He can sympathize or he can suffer with us. Same idea in the biblical text of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. This high priest was tempted at all points as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus will suffer with the church when the church suffers. Let me point out that truth in Acts chapter 9. Saul of Tarsus was the chief hatchet man for the Pharisees. In Acts 9, he was on the way to Damascus to find believers in Christ, to make them arrested and bring them back to stand trial as prisoners in Jerusalem. Saul of Tarsus was on the road when suddenly a light shined right about him and he was cast to the ground. And there on the ground the chief persecutor Saul of Tarsus heard the words from the world of light in the Jesus of Calvary. He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Jesus did not say to Saul, You are persecuting my disciples. Did Jesus say, You are persecuting John? You are persecuting Peter? No. Jesus said to him when he asked, Who are you? Saul was blinded. And Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Paul was persecuting the infant church of the Lord Jesus Christ, but in the end, he was really persecuting the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. When we suffer, Christ suffers with us. He doesn't come around when the problem's over and the hardship is gone, the pressure's been taken off, the trial is over, and say, To us, how did you do? Did you make it okay? No, he's right there with us. He dwells within us. He understands. He suffers with us and sympathizes when we are in need. There's a scripture verse found in Isaiah, chapter 63, and verse 9, Isaiah 63 9 says that in all of Israel's affliction, God was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them, and he bare them and carried them all the days of old. Isaiah 63 9 When we suffer, Jesus suffers along with us. Let me give you an illustration about something that happened when we were missionaries under appointment, we served in the Philippines for 10 years. We had a front yard that could accommodate young people and children, and they would come and play down the street in our yard. We had so many people saved in a Bible study that we called in a full-time Christian worker A Bible school graduate. And in this time, there was somebody that was saved named Rusma. Rusma was about 12 or 13 years old. Rusma. Rusma was born to an unwed university co ed. In the abortion attempt, Rusma's mother died. And Rusma lived. To her sorrow. She was afflicted when she came into this world. Rusma could not control the saliva in her mouth. It would run out the side. Rusma could not walk right. She would drag one leg almost. And Rusma could not talk right. You could not understand Rusma's speech at times. You knew there was a problem. You knew there was a problem with it. And so, Rusma was saved and received Christ in our front yard. One morning after that, Rusma rang the doorbell. She lived only the, down the street from us a few houses in the Philippines, Metro Manila. And Rusma, I said, come in, Rusma. And Rusma looked at me with great yearning in her eyes and said, Jesus, love Rusma? I said, Oh, Jesus loves you, Rusma. He always has loved you. Then Rusma said these words "Uh, uh, Jesus, heal Rusma. Heal Rusma. And so I prayed that morning for Rusma, for Christ to come because he sympathized with her. The next morning at seven o'clock, our doorbell rang again. And Rusma appeared. My wife and I invited her into the house, and we heard Rusma say, Jesus, love Rusma? And we said, Yes, oh, Jesus loves you, Rusma. Jesus loves Rusma. And then she inquired like this uh, Jesus, heal Rusma. She wanted deliverance. The third morning, Rusma rang the doorbell at 7 o'clock. And we opened the door and Rusma came in. She looked up at me again with the same words. Jesus love Rusma. And we guaranteed her that Jesus loved Rusma. Then she said, Jesus, heal Rusma. And we prayed that third morning. But we did not pray for Rusma's healing again. The next morning the telephone rang and I answered it. And she said, uh, Good morning, this is Rusma. I was amazed. I was shocked. I was glad. And I said, but Rusma, you can't talk. She said, Jesus healed Rusma. Jesus Healed Ruzma. And when we looked at Ruzma that day, the handkerchief that had caught the saliva and wiped it from the corner of her mouth was gone. No longer was it pinned to her dress. No longer did she walk with a wrong type of a gait, a wrong type of a way that her feet would move in the wrong way. She was no longer afflicted. God had stepped in and delivered this precious girl. He can sympathize, and he did with Rusma. So Christ is concerned about all of our sorrows and temptations and the weaknesses of his people. He's there in time of need, so we should always hold firm to our faith. Then there's a third reason, if we look in the book of Hebrews, the 16th verse of this fourth chapter, the third reason is we should hold firmly to our faith because Christ helps us always in time of need. I read to you the scripture passage. Let us then approach the throne of grace. Thank God it's the throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive mercy, we need that always, and find grace, may it come, to help us in our time of need. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus always helps us at the right time. This word help is so strong it literally translates to run at a cry of distress. It's used of the person in Macedonia. Down when Paul had the vision at night at Troas, a man of Macedonia was crying out, come over into Macedonia and help us. That was a cry of distress, a plea, and Paul went immediately the next day. So when we see a person injured, we help right it immediately. Christ has that kind of need. If a son hurts himself in the backyard playing and falls off of a bike and is on the ground with a hurt arm, he cries out in distress. Does the father get up from the table and walk toward the back door, the open screen door? And, uh, and open it and walk slowly there no it's a cry of distress the father jumps up from the table runs to the open screen door and enters the backyard immediately picks up his son because he can come at the right time he hears our cry so God always comes at the right time He hears our cry. He really believes and understands in our great need. He knows. He comes to help us with his mercy and grace. Well-timed help. We say God waits so long. It's because you have so much faith. God is maturing your Christian life to be more like Christ. So we find grace to help us ...in our time of need. Time of need can be translated... ...well-timed. Our help is well-timed. The need is there in our life every day at times... ...but his help is well-timed. It doesn't come when we expect it. We're push-button people. We're digital age people. We want things immediately. The faster the better... We don't want to wait. We don't want to delay. We want God to come immediately when we speak. But God chooses what is the right time to intervene and remove the trial, remove the pressure, the squeezing of our hearts into a corner, so to speak, by other people, by trials, by misunderstandings, by somebody's anger, by some trial we've been through, God understands. I find in my Christian pilgrimage that God doesn't come when I expect him. I would like him to come at the 10th hour, but he generally comes at the 11th hour, sometimes later, and I faint at 1030. God knows just when to come. He will never let us be tempted above that which we are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that we may be able to stand up under it, to bear it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 So God comes just at the right time. Take the case of Simon Peter in Acts chapter 12. Herod, a wicked king, Herod Antipas was on the throne for Rome and Herod had slain the brother of John named James. And then he took Peter captive. Seeing this pleased the unbelieving Jews, he took Peter captive, intending after the Feast of Unleavened Bread to bring him out in the courtyard in a fake trial before the people and also Slay him with the sword there in the prison house in Jerusalem. So Peter was incarcerated. Peter was in chains, so to speak, in maximum security. There were quadrants of soldiers that Herod had watching in this prison house in Jerusalem. And Peter was in the inner courts. Peter was chained between two soldiers. And the church was praying. They prayed hard and said, we cannot lose Peter. He's one of our leading spokesmen. He's one of our great anointed preachers. He's a man of God. We need Peter in, this, in the walk we have in this life. And so Peter, being chained, was not unleashed by the prayers of the people the first night. They prayed again. And then we read in Acts chapter 12 that the night before the execution, they were still praying. But the prayers were full of despair in some lives. Some had said, God's not going to make it. He'll be executed tomorrow morning. Peter's living his last night on earth. He was in the inner prison, chained to two guards. And so they were still praying That night, maybe some were praying for Peter's wife, who was soon to be a widow in their thinking, so it seemed. And then, suddenly into the inner prison, a light shined. And an angel said to Peter, Put on your sandals, we're going for a walk. Peter said, I'm going to die. The scripture in Acts 12 said that Peter thought he was seeing a vision. But the angel said, put on your shoes. And his chains fell off. The guards were supernaturally asleep. And he said, come with me, Peter. And they walked past the first and the second guard. They walked out into the courtyard of the prison. And when they got near the gates of the prison house, Peter thought, oh, the gates are closed and locked. Suddenly they opened. And Peter and the angel went out into the street. Suddenly... The Bible says the angel was gone and Peter stood there saying, it's real, it's real. We found help at the last moment, but it's come in the time of need. And Peter ran to the house of John Mark's mother. They were praying and interceding, still saying, God, is there any hope? Is there any help? This is the 12th hour, so to speak as I would have said. And then suddenly there was a knock at the door of this house where they were praying in Jerusalem. It was Simon Peter. Rhoda ran to the door and did not open it. And Rhoda said, who is it? They all said, who is it at this hour? Who can be knocking at the door? Suddenly a voice sounded out in the darkness of the night. It's Simon Peter. They could not believe it. Some said in Acts chapter 12, it's his angel or his spirit. Herod's already killed him. He's gone to be with God. But Peter kept saying, it's Peter. They opened the door and Peter came in. What a kind of a prayer meeting do you think they had that night? It was a praise and a jubilee for God's glory and grace had come. At the right time. I found grace to help me. In the time of need. Each Christian can say. Grace that came. It came at the. Eleventh hour. But it still came. God will help us. Always. We should hold firmly to our faith. He'll never leave us. Nor forsake us. He's with us always. In grace. And in mercy. To meet our spiritual need. So we find. The key verse. In verse 14. Stand firmly. uh, Hold firmly to your faith. In Christ. In time of need. Because he will come. Just at the right time. Not your time. But heaven's appointed time. Heaven's time of victory. Heaven's time. Of great glad tidings. That the battle has been won and the deliverance has come. We pause for a moment just to say, Thank you, God, that you are a prayer answering, a compassionate, sympathizing Savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you came, and thank you, God, for sending Jesus. We ask in His name that you would make this word prosperous in our hearts that we'll go back and live with it, that we'll go back in great understanding and mature and grow because we've been built up and edified. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Please understand that uh, you can download this message on your computer. Just It's automatic. You just click Download. And it will do it immediately. You can share share it to other people. There's a feature of this podcast that you can click on and say share. And it says also via email, uh, via the web. It can go to another person's computer. You can send it to a friend. And it can be downloaded on an IP phone. It has a file, an MP3 file, so it can be carried around on a phone, a smartphone as some call it. But be as it may, these are the features that help to share the word of God that lives and abides forever. How gracious he is to us to allow us this open Bible still in the land of the United States of America.